When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Josh Carr. There's a whistle. It's coming back free to kick. Hazelby. Hazelby. Yep. So free kick to Paul Hazelby, who is within range. Just kicked the two goals, two for the year. And this cool. to make it six out of the last seven goals. Cool. Did it carry the distance? Yes, it did. There's the nod. There's the fingers. There's the nod. There's the fingers. <laughs> Must have been round two, eh, Duff? Only two, two for the year. <laughs> what, what did you average a game? I don't know, mate. I think it's uh, 130 odd goals, maybe across 208. What does that work out to so be? About 0.6 a game, something like that. Mm. I think more as a younger player. I think um, later in my career, harder to kick goals. Yeah. Um, until I moved there in my last year as a, a small forward, I think I kicked 25 in my last year. Paul Hazelby, Dockers legend. One half of the run home with Hayes and Marta. Of course, we have him in every Tuesday to run his eye over Fremantle's performance on the weekend. And Hayes, we've got something a little bit more optimistic to talk about today. What did you make of it? They're back. I saw it against Brisbane. I know you weren't as confident, but the, just the change in psyche with their ball movement made all the difference. And I loved a quote from Caleb Sarong at the end of the game in how they're addressing their midfield woes because they're on the back foot a lot because they were losing clearance. But what they were trying to do when they were under the pump, and this is what clubs do, so you're losing contested possession, you're losing clearance. The first thing you think about is, okay, we've got to tighten up. We've got to get on these guys, play more defensive. Don't be on the move. We just want to hit them at the point of the stoppage. But it wasn't working for him because if you look at the bodies, Sarong's not tall, Brayshaw not overly tall, um, O'Meara and Brody a little bit taller, but they're just getting smacked in that contested possession piece and of course the loose ball gets from those stoppages as well. So they changed their philosophy and instead of going body on body at the point of impact, they're actually on the move, getting away from some of their bigger body defenders and that just set up their mindset to attack more. So instead of wrestling a guy and losing your energy and not having any oomph, I guess, when the time's right to spread. Now they're on the move. They're trying to get away. And if the taps are right, and they have been from Sean Darcy in recent times, it just changes their psyche that says, we're going to attack a bit more, be a bit more aggressive. And I think that's flown into all of their game. The value of a dominant ruck combination. What is it in today's game? And we almost saw the ultimate version of it on, on Saturday, didn't we? We go up and down with this all the time. Like, I'm not a big believer in rucks, and I've said on this t- show a number of times that, you know, Fremantle have a lot of money tied up in rucks. And you do see some teams, the top team right now in Collingwood, have Darcy Cameron and also Mason Cox, who went in and was best on ground on the weekend. I'd say their wage is probably 600000 collectively. Mm. And you look at what Frio's spending. So it can work work either way. But if you do have a combo like you've got with Jackson and Darcy, it needs to be dominant. It needs to get a number of possessions. It needs to win the hitouts like it did. And Darcy was sensational. And Luke Jackson is improving every single week. And it's great to see. And I think the move to put him more in the midfield, not in the ruck, in the midfield as a standalone position, has just helped him immensely. It gives him confidence, lets him run around. He can then get a mismatch on 
whether it's a midfielder or when he goes back into the forward line, he loses his opponent and he's growing in confidence. He's taking some of those marks and Frio fans are now starting to see what all the fuss was about. Moves pretty well for a 200-centimetre bloke, doesn't he? I think um, Nick Blake, he's quick. And when he ran past mm. him, um, I mean... Nick Blakey pulled Luke Jackson's pants down, but really Luke Jackson pulled Nick Blakey's pants down. In that. Yeah, and look, he got some good matchups. So yeah. against Sydney, you know, we've got to be too, we got to be a bit careful yep. not to go too far. Josh Tracy played his best game for the Fremantle Dockers, but they are under man, undersized, and they were getting flogged in the midfield, so they're always under a bit of pressure. But there's some positive sides that, signs there, in particular with Tracy, like. I don't think we've seen the upside with him. So he's come into the team and he's been in and out for a year now. And then you wonder if it's all worth the effort. But when you see a performance like that, then you can, in the back of your mind, go, okay, there is something there. There is a player that we can uh, build upon. He's going to have some ups and downs. Still very young. And the better you go, the more defensive pressure comes in terms of your opponent that's going to start to target you. So that'll be his challenge. That'll be Jackson's challenge. But there were some positive signs in that front half. And Amos still, Jai Amos still stands his ground pretty well in one-on-ones for a guy who looks like he hasn't mm. been in the gym yet, doesn't he? Like his ability to hold ground in those one-on-ones is really impressive. And if you give him a summer in the gym, because my understanding is that because of some illness last summer and then um, the the late start in the previous summer, he's basically done no bodybuilding work at this stage. So there's a lot of upside to come there. He's going to be a star. You can just see it. He's got all facets covered. He takes the big marks. He's working on the body work when he's in that situation. He's a really good leader. And the better Fremantle get around the ball in terms of their midfield kicks, the better he's going to go. There's times where he's leading up at the ball carrier and there's still some mids that can't find him. Switkowski is the best one kicking the ball inside the 50 because he always lowers his eyes and Mm. finds that player. And often that player is Jai Amos because he's clever with his leading pattern. So if they can get some better ball users, I think it's going to help him. But I said at the start of the year, 40 goals for him. He's still got a bit of work to go. But he was actually dropped or didn't make the round one team, would you believe? Should have been in there. I thought uh, Longmuir made a small mistake with that one, but he's building nicely and he's going to be a gun for a long time for the Dockers. So does the mix feel about right now with those three talls, Amos, Tracy and Jackson? Yes, you need three. I did write an article a couple of weeks back that the two and five was working well for them, but I think with Jackson getting up the ground a bit more, once he's there and whether he gets the ball or somebody else does, they turn around and then there's only one more. You do need two for better balance, so to have three in your forward line working together. Who they are, we're still working through that. Josh Tracy will get another chance. Will it be Nathan Fife? Is there another player they look at in the future to complement those other two? We're going to find out a bit more, but most clubs would prefer two gun forwards and the ruckman that goes in there, and that is Jackson for the Fremantle Dockers. So let's talk about Nathan Five. Two games as the sub, one thirty-nine minutes, one thirty-two minutes. Basically played the last quarter. He's been useful both times, and he was important two or three times on the weekend when Sydney came a bit. Um, what do you do with him this weekend against Geelong? Get him in there, Duff. This is a two-time Brownlow Medal winner. Like, and when he's playing, it's not like he's not playing well. He's coming in having an impact. He had ten possessions in that amount of time in the first game. Strapulate that out over a whole game. He's actually looking at 25, 30 possessions, and he was dangerous. And he's always been a player that can create a goal, whether he kicks it, whether he gives it off, whether it's something 
on the inside that he does to give his team the best chance of scoring, he does that. And look, yes, there's some other players around, but come on, this is Nathan Fife. Erasmus has come in, he's been pretty good. James Aish, just going at the moment. Hasn't had the best start to the season. Now, I know what he gives on the outside with his experience and his positioning because the wing role is important. And the other one is Bailey Banfield. But surely out of those three, you can make a tough, a semi-tough decision to leave them out, make them sub and bring Nathan Fife in. I think you're right. I heard you talking a bit before that Johnson needs to come in as well. I'd bring those two in. And and what it does, even though you've been winning, it keeps all players on edge. It shouldn't always just keep the same team rolling after you win a game because there are still some players that uh, don't contribute, but everything just gets analysed a bit more when you lose, unfortunately, and that's why coaches make more changes after losses. But keep the group guessing um, of who's going to be in that team and, and bring back Nathan Fife. So I'll just play devil's advocate here for a minute. He's had good cameos. He's got a banged up body. He struggled to get through seasons. Why not just nurse him along for a while, do, do extra training between games? He's getting game time. Sooner or later, you're going to get an early injury and you're going to get your two or three quarters for Nathan Fife anyway. And you might get a fresher and fitter and more with it, Nathan Fife, in the back half of the year if you're making a run at the eight. Yeah, look, I think you need to get a body of work into him. Now, whether that was two weeks ago against Hawthorne to play some Peel Thunder football and play three quarters, so then we're not having this argument. But this is Nathan Fife, Like, he's very best. He could be the difference between winning this game and not. This is Geelong. And the the defence of Geelong is very, very good. So he's going to have that option to go in there and just throw something different. And look, if it was Tracy and Nathan Fife, a question of those two, I would go with Nathan Fife. Now, I know Tracy will keep his position because of what he did on the weekend, but who do I trust more in that position? I trust Nathan Fife, and I think he could be the one wood that Fremantle can build upon going into the back half of this year, and you've got to get him playing full games of footy. And it's not like he hasn't done the work. So he hasn't missed, you know, 15 games of footy. He missed six games of footy. Then he's come back and he's played the two. And through that period, he'd be doing extra training. And he probably had two weeks build up to that. He's had a month block. He's ready to play a full game, provided the foot's feeling well, which we're led to believe it is. I just think the time is right because you can get a chance against Geelong to smack them in the midfield. Like their midfield at the moment's losing a few big names and they are young and Fremantle just starting to build their midfield game. So I would put him right in. We talked a little bit about Johnson. Do If you are the Fremantle match committee and Justin Longmuir, do both Johnson and Erasmus play against the Cats? Well, then Fife becomes a component in that. So if Fife plays, then they both can't play. But if you keep Fife the sub, then... If you're prepared to make a call on James Aish and do a straight swap there with Johnson, then I think they can play together. And, look, they have to learn to play together because they're two young stars for the Fremantle Dockers, and they're different. They're different players. One's more a meat and potatoes player in Erasmus. The other one in Johnson was just starting to show some signs. In the I last thought, game I he played, he played a great game against yeah. Brisbane. Yeah. And I love his ability to hold the ball and make the right decision, to bring his teammates into it and put them into space at the right time, not rush it. And I think Fremantle need that classy player, whether it's kicking the ball inside the forward 50 or setting up your teammates through the midfield, I reckon he can be that guy. So it's important they get him back in. Double banger question here. Alex Pierce's game on Lance Franklin and Lance Franklin's current situation. Awesome game. Alex Pierce has been pretty good. 
barring probably three games, I think he's worked back into it pretty well. Um, he just had his measure. And, look, I don't think the forwards for Sydney really helped Buddy out too much. But, yeah, I think we're seeing the end of Buddy Franklin. And um, I wasn't a fan of the contract extension last year. I thought he was showing those signs. But he's kicked seven goals in six games. And that's with Amadi being out and now Logan McDonald's out. And maybe that forces their hand. If they do believe they are going to make a late run to play finals, that they still need him in there. But let's exit him the right way. But I just don't think the right thing for Sydney is for him to see the rest of the year out. I would pick a date like we saw last year a little bit with um, Josh Kennedy and make it a big occasion and give him a bit of a farewell tour leading up to that. But the time is right and no club stand still, you've got to keep moving and they've got to get games into those other forwards because if Sydney don't bounce back next year, then they would have missed a good opportunity given what we saw last year in the grand final. We're seeing a collective growing of confidence across the board at Fremantle, aren't we? Brennan Cox starting to come to hand. Hayden Young's probably last two games, but his best two mm. games. Luke Ryan, I still have a bugbear about Luke Ryan playing safe with the ball all the time, but I think every other part of his game is in good nick. Brandon Walker did an enormous job on Tom Papley and did a pretty good job on Charlie Cameron a couple of weeks back as well. Yeah, the vibe's back. You can feel it. The mojo is there. It was lost for a few weeks, and you make a good point about Luke Ryan. He's always been that guy that when under pressure, he'll just boot it, get rid of it. And maybe that's ingrained in his style. But if he can learn that when he is under pressure, like I was just talking about with Matt Johnson, hang on, am I really under pressure? Can I do something a little bit different here and maybe change the direction and catch the opposition out? Because they're thinking I'm going to kick it long. But can I actually just delay it? It might be another handball that just gives the ball over the top to a running player. It might be a short kick inside the corridor. I think if he can improve that, it's going to help the Dockers because, you know, you look at their field kicks from the back half. Alex Pierce is not going to get it done. Brennan Cox is not the sort of guy that's going to take them on. Mm. Um, we know that the other guys, Clark included, he can do it. Young's probably not the gun short kick. He likes to get out on the outside and really run and drive it and kick it long. But the more players that they can have that set them up and just trigger their ball movement in a different way from the back half, I think the better suited they're going to be. So hard to teach to a player like Luke Ryan who's been playing that way for a long time. But it'd be one thing that I'd be working on if I was the coaching staff down there at Well Yellup. Jaeger O'Meara, his last two weeks. Jaeger O'Meara, his last two yeah, weeks. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And... You know, everybody was talking about the, the players that left the Fremantle Dockers three weeks ago. Mm. You don't talk about them. You don't hear about them when the two players that you brought in are actually standing up and being dominant. And as good as Luke Jackson has been, Jago O'Meara the last two weeks, I think, has been just as serviceable for the Dockers. Interesting in the way it came about that they had to make a choice basically between two players, that they were sharing that role in Will Brody. He's gone out and that has coincided with him playing his best football. The mix is right. And I guess the other part of that is the other midfielder that stepped up too in the last two weeks. That helps out enormously in Andrew Andrew Brayshaw. Brayshaw. So he gets more ball, he helps out, shares the load, and then Jager O'Meara can do what he does best, win football. He's really good with his ball use as well, albeit it's normally, you know, not coming out the front of stoppages and being that guy kicking the ball inside the forward 50, but his possession rate and retention is very good. His tackling work and his work around stoppage, I think, has always been a credit to him. So it's a real positive and nobody's talking about those players that have left anymore. When you start winning, things change. It's going to be difficult for Will Brody, isn't it? It just feels like the mix is right now. So mm. unless there's an injury, he's 
probably going to be running around in the waffle for a fair while. Yeah, but he will put up big numbers in the waffle. You know that. But Justin Longmuir was clearly trying to get something else from him defensively. Yeah. I think that is the issue. And when you are the one, the scapegoat that goes out, when you are losing contested possession and then you win it for the two weeks after you've exited the team, it doesn't all go well for you. It's a bit unfair because it's not—it's never one person's responsibility when you're losing like that. And even the mindset change, listening to Caleb Sarong talk about them being on the move a little bit more, he could be a part of that. But with five back in the mix, Erasmus Johnson, it's going to make it difficult in the short term for him to get back in. Absolutely. Can they beat Geelong? They can. Absolutely. I would have preferred Geelong maybe coming off a win. But now that they've come off that loss, I just think it may sharpen them up a little bit. I know they don't get too much back from an injury point of view, but they're cherry ripe. And the Dockers have always had a good history in recent times anyway against Geelong, even when Geelong have been up the top and the Dockers have been closer to the bottom. On any given occasion, they can cause the upset. So I think if they they bring the same vibe and mojo like they've been playing with, have to be a chance. You know, Nathan Fife likes playing against Geelong. So probably the two games I remember as Nathan Five standout games are both against Geelong, down at Cadinia Park in 2015 and 2019 at the stadium. Yep. I think he played that day. I remember him just playing the third quarter where he basically said, just just come with me, boys. I'll take you to the promised land. So even just replacing Bailey Banfield, like how, how would you feel about that? Like, uh, yes, Bailey was good, but Bailey's up and down. As most small forwards are, it's not an easy position to play. We acknowledge that. I suppose the question I would ask is, what does Nathan bring from a pressure perspective that Bailey Banfield clearly does bring? Mm. And do you lose something against a team that likes to set up from the back, that likes to use Tom Stewart? And really, you have to find a way to cope with Tom Stewart when you're playing against Geelong, Mm. don't you? And does Bailey Banfield play a role in that? And if that's the case, does he become more important when you play against Geelong? And look, you're a smarter footy person than me, hey? so you're probably better at figuring that out than I am. But I, but I would ask that question before I made that call. Needs to be a smart player, and the team needs to be in tune with that player because you don't want to avoid that player. Actually, at the right time, you want to make him accountable. Stuart, I'm talking about. So I think the option could be Josh Tracy because sometimes it's more about, well, who's he going to go to? Because you can run around trying to, you know, do all the the three-card tricks that players try to do in that part of the ground when you have that situation. But it could be five. If it was five, he could go there. He's certainly smart enough and he's good enough and the team would be in tune enough to hit that player up at the right time to make him accountable. Who plays on Jeremy Cameron? Um... Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's a real tough matchup because Alex Pierce probably can't go with him up the ground. Used to be Griffin Logue, didn't it? Yeah. Um, Brennan Cox, we saw have a go first half against Jack Lacocious, and that probably didn't work. He lost him a few times when he went up the ground. And Luke Ryan probably can't go with him either. It's a very difficult one. I think they'll probably have a combination and maybe in the area sort of uh, responsibility. If you're there, you've got him. But if he comes back into this zone, you switch it around. Hypothetically speaking, Hayes, before I let you go, if they beat Geelong, do they play finals? Yes. Oh, I if like it. If they beat Geelong, yeah, it gives them a really good chance. And we know around that mark, you've got Adelaide, you've got Carlton. Carlton are faltering a little bit. They seem to be the best of the rest with what we've seen over the last two weeks. But we can't get too carried away over the last two weeks. Hawthorne and Sydney are playing horrible, undermanned in defence. 
But the vibe, I keep saying the word vibe. It's the vibe like, of the thing. The vibe's back. If you just quote the castle, the vibe <laughs> is back at Fremantle, and that's what we've been waiting for. Paul Hazelby, Fremantle legend, of course, good Northampton boy, along with our other AFL expert, of course, Josh Kennedy, who will be in later to talk about matters West Coast. Hayes is one half of the run home with Hayes and Marto. You can hear them weekdays, 3 p.m. on SEN. Thanks for joining us on the show today, Hayes, and hopefully we'll be back talking about another win next weekend. Always a pleasure, Duff. Thank you. Paul Hazelby. We'll take a break and be back with more of the show after the break.